The Spectator is Europe's fastest growing current affairs magazine. Subscribe today and find out why. You'll get 12 weeks in print and online for just £12. Plus, we'll send you a bottle of Spectator gin worth £30. So if you do the math, you'll work out that is absolutely free. Go to www.spectator.co.uk forward slash gin. Welcome to Holy Smoke, a Spectator's religion podcast. I'm Damien Thompson. We're nearing the end of Holy Week. Tonight and tomorrow, that's Good Friday, Protestant and Catholic congregations would normally have been singing what I think may be the most beautiful hymn tune ever written. It's most familiar to us as the Passion Chorale, which we hear five times in four different harmonisations in Bach's St Matthew Passion. It's most often sung in English to a variant of the words O sacred head, sore wounded, and there's no doubt that there's something in the shape of the melody that lends itself to the contemplation of suffering, especially Jesus' suffering on Good Friday. That said, the tune we know as the Passion Chorale didn't start life as a Lutheran hymn, although it had become a very popular one by the time Bach developed his wonderful obsession with it, which was by no means confined to the Matthew Passion. It first surfaced in 1601, that's 84 years before Bach's birth, in a secular love song written by the German composer Hans Leo Hassler. We'll hear the music in a second, but here's the first verse, translated into English. I'm all mixed up. This a tender maid has done to me. I'm totally lost. My heart is sick and sore. I get no rest by day or night. My pain is always so great. I'm sighing and crying all the time. I'm almost in despair. Well, let's just charitably assume that something must have been lost in translation. But this is what it sounds like. Now that really is very similar to what we're used to in the St Matthew Passion, or indeed in congregational hymns based on that tune. The difference isn't so much in the harmony as in the flexible metre. It's in triple time, but not all the way through, and actually that's quite common for hymns of the period. Also, the last line is repeated. Within a few years it had been tidied up and was being sung as a Lutheran chorale, to the words O Hauptwohl Blut und Wunden or something like that. Sorry, German is not my strong point, but it translates as O sacred head now wounded. 
So the association with the suffering of Good Friday was the best part of a century old by the time Bach made use of the hymn. Let's remember that however cringe-making those lyrics from the original popular song, they did depict suffering. And there seems to be something about this tune, with its familiar harmonisation by Hassler, that lends itself to depictions of agony. Whether it's lovesickness or the hideous ordeal endured by Jesus Christ on Good Friday. Now, I have a confession to make. I've never been very interested in the words of hymns. What I love are the melodies, particularly if the four-part or more harmonisation is moving in itself. I remember being completely bowled over when I attended a Good Friday service at the church we went to as a child, and hearing this hymn, which just sounded like an oasis in, I'm sorry to say, a musical desert. But then the next year, as far as I remember, there was no organist, and so the choir just sang the unadorned melody. No harmonies at all, and that's a hideous habit that church choirs should be absolutely banned from indulging in. Much better to have no music at all. Or if you're Catholic, plain chant, which doesn't have harmonies. And for that reason, I've never been particularly keen on it. But I am very keen on the harmonised tune that we'll call, just for convenience sake, the Passion Chorale, though it was set to quite a large number of sacred texts in Bach's day. And, of course, the words really do matter. And Bach proved that in the most dazzling way, by changing the way he harmonised the tune, depending on the words that he was setting. He saw so many possibilities in Hassler's very beautiful composition. Over the last week, I've spent some very enjoyable time listening to all the different things Bach did to it, and some much less enjoyable time actually trying to play one of Bach's harmonizations on the piano in my bedroom. One of the things Bach was inspired to do was to write what sounds like a relatively simple organ chorale prelude, Essentially, one very richly harmonised verse of the hymn with the treble line broken up in places in a way that suggests sighing or pleading. It lasts about two minutes, but I think you'll be pleading with me to stop once you've heard this. Yup, I'm going to play you my attempt to get my fingers around it, simply because it just took so bloody long to get all the notes in Wilhelm Kempf's piano arrangement for this chorale prelude in the right order. And in the process, I was driven almost mad by Bach's sheer resourcefulness in playing around with the harmonies in a way that isn't immediately obvious to the listener. It was probably obvious to my upstairs neighbour, but since he's one of the chemical brothers, he's not really in a position to complain about noise, though he does from time to time. Anyway, as I say, this is actually less than two minutes, so perfect opportunity to make a cup of tea.
I promise that the other musical extracts, which will be brief, unlike last week, will be played by proper musicians. That chorale inspired Bach to some simply dazzling musical inspirations. But it wasn't just Bach. Before him came Buxtehude. <laughs> When you hear Buxtehude's magically decorated version of the hymn tune, you can understand why the young Bach walked 250 miles to hear the older North German master play the organ in Lübeck, on the way stopping off at various hostelries. Well, he could hardly do anything else, but in any case, Bach was surprisingly keen on his liquid refreshment. Anyway, that was the great organist Peter Herford playing Buxtehude's chorale prelude on Ach, Herr, Mich, Armen, Sünder. So that's another set of words that the tune was set to. The first two verses say, Ah, Lord, poor sinner that I am, do not punish me in your rage, but soften your stern wrath, otherwise I am lost. Ah, Lord, may it be your will to forgive my sin and be merciful so that I may live forever and flee from the pains of hell. Heal me, dear Lord, for I am sick and weak. My heart, seriously wounded, suffers great trouble. My bones are vexed. I feel anxious and afraid. My soul is also vexed. Our Lord, why do you take so long? And then in verse 5, things really take a turn for the worse. I am weary from sighs. I have neither strength nor force. I lie drenched in sweat throughout the whole night. My bed is soaked with tears. My body is aged with mourning. I am almost dead with grief. My anxiety takes many forms. It's not exactly colours of day, is it? I suppose the question is whether these expressions of pain are intrinsic to Lutheranism, or whether it's just that Lutheranism, which allowed people to express themselves in the vernacular, gave voice to these awful anxieties that everybody experienced, including Catholics. 
One of the problems with paying close attention to Bach's cantatas is that you need to appreciate the miraculous musical devices that Bach used to capture the meaning of the words, and that, of course, means reading the words. And if you're listening that way, i.e. properly, then you pretty much got to be in the mood for 18th century Lutheran piety, which was certainly capable of expressing and savouring the most radiant optimism, but also dwelt at length on death and suffering. But in the hands of Bach, every nuance of this rather complicated spiritual tradition is explored and expanded. And there are a few neater examples of that than all the things he did to this one melody. Here's the beginning of the opening chorus of Bach's Cantata 135, Acher mich armen Sünde, in other words, setting those same words, or at least the first verse of them. And I hope you'll allow your jaw to drop open as you listen to the way the orchestra, before the choir comes in, explores in a sublime but claustrophobic and anxious and divinely ingenious way every component of that harmonised hymn tune. So Verbach is really milking the great tune. Rarely has paralyzing fear of death sounded quite so entrancing. And I can hear some of you saying, yeah, and rarely have you sounded so much of a sued, Damien. Well, don't worry, we'll be back to our usual topics next time. But this next extract is really astonishing. It's the opposite of milking it. It's the great tune popping up halfway and saying, Hey, it's me again. Bach's cantata number 161, whose English title is Come, You Sweet Hour of Death, begins with a magnificent aria for the alto, in which there's so much going on that when, in addition to everything, that tune peeks out, it's almost as if Bach is showing off. Could anybody else have done this? But you have to listen carefully. It's in the organ part.
important to remember that this tune would have been so familiar to Bach's audiences, to Lutheran congregations all over Germany, and nearly always associated with the Passion, with the Crown of Thorns, with the Crucifixion. So what on earth is it doing at the end of the Christmas Oratorio in a mighty and electrifying chorus celebrating the birth of Christ and the vanquishing of evil? Ricardo Chay conducting the Leipzig Gewandhaus Orchestra. So much for the idea that big band Bach has to be stately and pompous. The congregation in that same city, Leipzig, who first heard the Christmas Oratorio, couldn't possibly have encountered a performance of such technical brilliance. But I'm sure they were thrilled, and you wouldn't have needed to spell out to them the significance of Passion Tide Chorale in the middle of a Christmas celebration. 
the child will one day be crucified. To quote the late Baroque conductor and Bach scholar Craig Smith, the appearance of the Passion Chorale brings to mind many nativity paintings of the period that show in the background a little sapling growing, which is meant to be the tree from which the cross will be made. And that brings us finally to the St Matthew Passion, for which Bach wrote four different harmonisations, each of which corresponds to the words. So, for example, the first time we hear it, the words are, My shepherd now receive me, my guardian own me thine, great blessing thou didst give me, O source of gifts divine. And it's in a bright, optimistic key of E major. The last time we hear it, the words are, My saviour, be thou near me, when death is at my door, then let thy presence cheer me, forsake me nevermore. And it has that pleading quality, and that's underlined by the chromatic treatment of the theme in perhaps Bach's most beautiful setting of this glorious melody. That was Otto Klumperer and the Philharmonia Orchestra in 1961, and it should be said that no present-day conductor would adopt such a slow speed, but it does allow you to hear the way that the harmonies almost physically drag you down at the end, at this moment of the most intense grief in the Christian year. That particular performing tradition has gone forever. 
But then the whole art of hymn writing, of which this is a sublime, supreme example, is basically lost to us. Can you imagine a hymn being written today that unites high art and congregational participation in an act of such intense, vivid commemoration? Will hymn singing ever revive after Covid? That's a topic for another episode. But let's remember that Hassler's tune, with its defining harmonies already in place in the first piece of music we heard, wasn't a hymn. The emotions it conveys, and I do think they're built into the structure of the music, can retain their power in a secular setting. And this final extract, I think, demonstrates that. It's Paul Simon's American Tune from 1974. This may strike you as sacrilegious, and I don't know why it's the case, but this adaptation of Hassler's melody touches me as deeply as anything that came before. Many's the time I've been mistaken And many times confused Yes, and I've often felt forsaken And certainly misused Oh, but I'm all right, I'm all right I'm just weary to my bones Still, you don't expect to be bright and born so far away from home so 